Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Tom Brady made some news today in an interview he did with Colin Cowherd. We've got that audio. We'll play some of it for you coming up at 325. Uh, most notably, when is he going to start calling games for Fox? I think his answer is going to surprise you. Really, really shocked me. And then also he was asked, is there any chance he'll come back to play this season? Said a lot of words without saying no. So we will uh, listen to that and discuss it. That's coming up here on Grant and Danny. Beltway Blitz at 4. We're giving away Fallout Boy tickets at that time, one hour from right now. But let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. One of the guys we really like talking about the NFL draft with is the editor over at the Draft Wire, Luke Easterling, who's with us right now on GND Post Senior Bowl. Luke, I appreciate the time to kick off Super Bowl week with us. I guess let's just start with the Senior Bowl this year. A little bit watered down in terms of some of the game day attention because of the quarterback position, but of some of the players that were there and played this weekend, who helped themselves the most? Yeah, not not a not a huge uh, bill in terms of the the quarterbacks, right? No, no Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott like we've seen in the past. Um, had some guys like Will Levis and Stetson Bennett who could have played, who decided not to. But but yeah, it was still a great week in terms of guys going into to Mobile and ma- maximizing the opportunity, right? You get a week of NFL coaching. You obviously get pretty much every decision maker in the league, you know, descending upon the same city to watch you guys play. And, and especially for small school guys, right, you, you get a chance to prove, you know, hey, I can't, you know, I'm not just dominant against, you know, lower level competition. I can hang with guys from Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and, the, and those sorts of programs. So it's a great week for that. Guys that really stood out to me, Ty J. Spears, the running back from Tulane, I think is everybody's popular pick for the week he had, not just because of how he performed, but he actually weighed in a, a good bit bigger than we thought he would be. He was listed about 5'9", 195. He came in at 204, which is a huge difference for a running back, and still looked as explosive as he did on film at Tulane at, at 195 pounds. So I think that was huge for him. Looked great as a receiver and a route runner out of the backfield and also as a running back. Uh, Keon White is a defensive guy from uh, Georgia Tech. Kind of a, a tweener, hybrid, you know, defensive end, interior defensive guy, but just a ridiculous athlete, versatile guy for his size, 6'4", 6'5", 280 plus, and so really could play anywhere on any defensive front in pretty much any scheme. He had a great week, uh, and I expect him to be in the first-round conversation now. Uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin is another D lineman that had a good week. Julius Brents, a corner from Kansas State, six foot three, really long arms, physical. Uh, DB and, and those guys with that size and that length are always going to go high in that draft. I thought he had a great week as well. Normally, this wouldn't be something we'd, we'd ask off the top here, Luke, but it, it affects Washington. Here's where I'm going with this. Interior offensive lineman rankings, kind of post-senior bowl. There's one name that I kind of had circled with my rudimentary analysis of the one game that I remember him being a standout in, but I want to get your take on this. Who might be available for that Washington spot, maybe 16 to 20 or 25 or so if they trade down? 
Yeah, so interior, it's a good thing if you're, if you're looking for interior guys in the first round because usually the best guys at that position don't go super high, right? It's really rare that we see somebody like a Quentin Nelson who came out of Notre Dame, obviously, a handful of years ago. He was a, you know, a top six. I think he went number six overall. That's really rare for those interior guys to go that high. Um, so if you're sitting at 16 and you're hoping, hey, I, I want to get the best interior guy, you're probably going to get him. And this year, for that guy for me is, is Osiris Torrance from Florida. Um, he would probably be the first interior guy off the board. And, and 16 might feel a little early in theory. And I know that you know, Washington's got some history of being willing to move up or back wherever they want to go to get their guy. Um, but he's a guy that I think could come in right away at either guard spot, start right away. Um, I think if they want to go that route, there's a lot of good value to be had on day two. Um, Cody Mock from uh, North Dakota State played at tackle at North Dakota State. but He could slide inside at the next level, which is what he did at the Senior Bowl. Another great thing about the Senior Bowl is they do that a lot. They want to move players around and, and see them in different positions that maybe they didn't play in college either because they had to or what have you. But it gives them a, 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 the ability to see these guys in, in uncomfortable situations, see how versatile they can be, and say, hey, we'd really like you to, to see you at guard because we need a guard and see how they play there. He did that at the Senior Bowl. Cody Mock did and, and, and played really well. So I actually really like this class of interior offensive linemen, both in terms of guards and centers. If that's something Washington is looking for, I think they'll get great depth in this class and great value no matter where they grab one. Luke Easterling breaking down the NFL draft with us on Grant and Danny from the Draft Wire. So let's kind of walk this path then. Let's say they, they go with what you're talking about and they get value and they feel like they can find a guard and a center in the, the second and the third or something like that and they want to make a splash pick in the first round. Maybe that's someone who can play corner. Maybe that's another safety or or someone to help them out on the defensive line if they decide to let Deron Payne walk. Like, What's going to play in the middle of the first round from the cornerback position and then also as the draft might unfold, Like, what might work where they're on the clock? Yeah, corner is, is the spot to watch, I think. And, and part of it is because of where they are in that order, right? And who else is around them? Because I, I love this corner class. I think we could easily see as many as six, maybe more corners go in the first round, which is obviously ridiculous. Not sure if any of them actually go in the top 10. We could see no corners in the top 10 until maybe 10 if you get around the, uh, the Philly range there at the, the 10th pick, they ha- the pick they have from New Orleans. Um, but we will see a run on them in that 10 to 20 range, right? Because you've got so many teams in there. Um, you've got Pittsburgh, you've got Washington, you've got Tampa Bay at 19, you've got Detroit uh, who could be looking for a slot corner or an outside guy. You've got so many teams in that range. I think New England could be in there as well. Um, so many teams in that range are going to be looking for corners. And so at 16, I feel like, you know, that Washington's got to be excited about a guy enough to move ahead of some of those teams if they want to. But personally, I like the depth so much in this class that I don't care if it's, you know, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, which is a name obviously NFL fans will recognize, uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, Cam Smith from South Carolina. If they don't mind a smaller guy, I really like Clark Phillips III from Utah. Um, Devin Witherspoon is, is from Illinois is probably the best corner in this draft. He's the guy that I could see getting up into the top 10 range, maybe sneaking into that top 10. Um, but 16, I think, is a really great spot in this class in particular to be able to get a, a immediate starter, starting caliber corner. And, and it could be any number of those guys. Again, this is a corner class where you could really stack those top five guys in any order, and I'd be comfortable with it. Luke Easterling of the Draft Wire with us here on Grant and Danny. Uh, you may have already mentioned the position group here, Luke, but which, where's the best value in this draft in, in terms of you know least variance between the guy that's number one and maybe the guy that's number four, five, or six in his position group? 
You know, again, I think the, the top of the corner class feels a lot like that. The first five or six guys are, are pretty tight. Um, I'd say the same about the edge defender class. And you're talking those, those defensive ends in a 4-3 or outside linebackers in a 3-4. After Will Anderson, I think obviously Will Anderson from Alabama is the, is the top guy. And similar for the interior defensive linemen, too. You could say the same thing. Jalen Carter is clearly number one out of Georgia. But the rest of that class, at that, that next tier at the position, Again, you could stack those guys, you know, from two to seven to ten in any order, and it would really make sense. And honestly, I think teams are going to. This might be the case every year from here on out. But I think the value at running back could be really great in this draft. I think there's, uh, again, some some studs at the top. Bijan Robinson from Texas is is in his own class. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, I think, is again a unique guy in terms of how he would line up at the next level. And I think he's kind of in a tier by himself. But the rest of those running backs, there are so many guys that I think have different skill sets. So depending on what you want from that position in your offense, there are going to be starting caliber players. I mean, we see it in the NFL all the time. We see what Isaiah Pacheco is doing in Kansas City right now as a late-round pick. There are going to be guys like that available into the fifth, sixth, seventh round again this year because there's just so many good, talented, productive backs in this class. And teams are going to look at that and say, you know, why would I take the third or fourth best guy in the second round when I can wait until the fourth or fifth round and get a, a similar guy uh, for a much later pick, I think you're going to see that in this class because it's so deep. Luke Easterling, NFL draft coverage, Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Where would Kenny Pickett, who went in the first round last year, was the only quarterback who did, slot into this year's crop with Bryce Young, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, whoever else you'd throw in there? Like, Where would Pickett have, have been ranked this year? So, so this year, the, the, the tiers for me, I think Bryce Young is number one, and I think C.J. Stroud is right behind him. I think they're in that top tier together uh, with Bryce being number one. The next tier would be Richardson and Levis for me. I think I would take Richardson first. I'm, I'm a bit more comfortable with his ceiling. If I'm going to have to deal with some question marks and some flaws, I think he's got more upside, honestly, than, than Will Levis and honestly had more progression and development throughout the season than we saw from Levis, which was kind of disappointing for him. That's where I think after those four, you'd start to think about Kenny Pickett if he was in this class. Because after that, it's, I mean, you got Hendon Hooker from, from Tennessee who had a phenomenal season up until the ACL injury. But he's going to be a 25-year-old rookie, and he's going to be coming back from the ACL. So that's kind of tough for him. you got Tanner McKee from Stanford who's got some interesting traits, but the production just really wasn't there, wasn't impressive. You know, Then you're talking about Jake Hayner from Fresno State who's a smaller guy, and you're getting into that later round. So I feel like Kenny Pickett would be in the conversation to be that fifth guy off the board. And I uh, don't know that he'd be a first round pick, to be honest. I just think that that's insightful to kind of see how big the, the discrepancy is from a year ago to this year. To, to circle back in, though, on this year's QBs and Will Levis specifically, we've had a few guests on now talking quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, we've had guys that are really high on him. I'd say it sounds like you're a little bit lower on him. Why so much of a variance on Will Levis who really did struggle from a production standpoint this year? You know, I think it's, it's it's a similar story with certain quarterback prospects every year, right? You have the difference between what you see on film in its totality and between that and what you can see in terms of traits. You can see like, oh, you know, I know it didn't look that great on film, but he's got this type of arm or this type of athleticism. I like his competitiveness. There are traits like that with Will Levis that are be- definitely attractive. And what you'll have is certain NFL teams will convince themselves, hey, you know, I can't teach the arm strength. I can't teach the athleticism. I can't teach you how to be a competitive player and, and want to go out there and compete. I can, I can teach you 
you know, the finer points of technique and mechanics and, and accuracy and anticipation. I can teach you some of those other traits. So that's why you'll see some teams and some analysts or whatever hire on a guy like Levis because they want to bank on that upside. It just depends on how, again, you know, you have media people or their own kind of front office in, in each of our ways that we do this. But also within the league, you have 32 different ways of looking at all of these players, 32 different you know, schemes and rosters and how do they fit. So that, that's why you see such a variance sometimes is just because, you know, different traits are going to be valued different ways, different things that these guys bring to the table, the interviews that they happen behind the scenes and how they work the whiteboard. There's so many variables really at every position, but particularly at quarterback because it's so important. It's so complex. That's why the, the variation exists, I think. Once guys are in shorts and T-shirts starting to work out here, whether it's draft, whether it's combine, individual workouts, et cetera, who's someone that you feel like could start rising up boards? I tell you what, the guy that sticks out to me is Tyree Wilson. He's an edge rusher from Texas Tech, uh, and I think he's the type of guy who can go to, uh, to, to Indy and really impress people with his combination of size and athleticism and length and versatility, what he can do. I mean, he's 6'5", plus, 270 plus and can just move for can move in ways that guys like that 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 are that big just shouldn't shouldn't be able to do and why guys like me stopped playing quarterback one year into college <laughs> um so you know it's just you know that is a guy who I look at him and and see the the boxes checked he's going to be that athleticism you know guy who's going to rise up the board again I, right now I have him going fifth overall to Seattle I think that's that's high as he could go uh, because he's the type of athlete, and, and I do think he'd be just a great fit for that, that defense and what they like at the position. But Tyree Wilson is a name to keep an eye on going into the combine. Luke, I, I hate to throw you under the the bus if you didn't like him or, or do uh, here in D.C. It do, really doesn't matter either way to me. I, I don't remember, though. Were you a Sam Howell guy coming out or not? He, he might be the starter here this coming year. People feel pretty good about him. And, and can you just give us what you remember from your reporting and, and all your studying last year, a take on what he might become here with the Commanders? I mean, if, if anybody goes back and looks at my Twitter from the past uh, season, you'll find multiple tweets uh, calling Sam Howell the best quarterback on the roster all year long. Uh, so oh, wow. Really? A dubious honor, was, but thank you. <laughs> so you were, you yeah, were in on yeah. playing him way sooner because people now wish they would have. I, I would have played him week one. Uh, again, I, I mean, I also wouldn't have traded for Carson Wentz either, but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> That line it, wraps it, around know, the block. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. I'm not alone in that. But no, I, I, I really thought going back to Sam Howell's first game of, last, uh, of his last season, he came into that offseason with so much hype. I mean, every mock draft, my own included, it was him and Spencer Rattler, right? One and two in so many of those mock drafts. And obviously those are kind of silly at that point for a reason because nobody really knows anything. But to, 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 for him to struggle as bad as he did in that Virginia Tech game, I feel like so many people just wrote him off. And we're like, oh, okay, it's just another disappointing bust. That's not going to be it. And I feel like people stopped paying attention to him the rest of that season because Howell obviously didn't have the year he wanted, but he was never as bad as, as that first game. And I thought he, he did a great job throughout the rest of that year, bouncing back, playing consistent football and, and improving and, and showing mental toughness as much as physical to, to overcome that start. And I thought he played really, really well and didn't get enough credit. So the, the fact that he went in the fifth round, I, I just thought was, was kind of criminal. And then to see – really going into a situation that I thought would be great for him to, to be able to win a starting job. Didn't seem to get the opportunity. And again, nothing against those other guys. I just felt like talent wise. And when you have a young quarterback on that rookie contract, especially a fifth round when it's super cheap, I, I thought he should be, I thought he should be the guy. I think he should be the guy now. Luke. Awesome with us, buddy. Really appreciate the time, man. Be well. Hey, you too guys. Take care. Thanks. Excellent. As always love having Luke Easterling on to talk NFL draft. And it sounds like Danny, 
We found ourselves a Sam Howell fan in his analytical work. Indeed. Again, I, it, I thought your question actually about Kenny Pickett is so instructive. Right. This is the challenge that that organizations and and uh, general managers, scouts, and everybody else has every year. Right. Among the available class, is it worth moving mountains for this guy, or is he just the best of this group? Kenny Pickett was the best of a bad group last year. I put best in quotation marks. The guy that I liked the best was Sam Howell, but I wouldn't have liked him enough to pick him in the first round. Maybe not round two. Once you get past that point, three, four, five, now it's just worth throwing something at the wall when you're looking for the quarterback spot. But yeah, so you wonder how he would rank this year compared to the Strouds and and um, you know the Bryce Youngs of the world and Levis Richardson and some guys with upside as well. But it's it's instructive to think about, man. It is. Uh, you you look back at last year and you wish that they would have just taken an entirely different approach. And I know that as the year went on. Fans were really happy that they didn't because they were competitive and they went on a winning streak and they were going to make the playoffs and they had a chance to maybe go win a playoff game if they got to face Minnesota or a team they matched up well with possibly. But now sitting here where this year's a wash, no, this is always the case. and This is always the point I try to make and it just feels like a futile exercise because mm-hmm. people don't want to hear it. But now that last year is over and we're closing the book on 2022 officially with the Super Bowl this week, they would be so much better off if they would have done what Luke was talking about, yeah. which is maybe it wasn't in week one, but in week five or in week six or whenever Wentz went down and Heineke came in initially, they would have just gone to Sam Howell right then because you would have had this entire year to let him work through struggles and work around issues and to fail and then succeed and then fail again and then succeed again. And he would, that invaluable experience going into this year as your starter, you would know, okay, here are strengths, here are weaknesses, here are things we need to coach him up on. Here are areas where we need to go add personnel to help him because this is a flaw. This is a wart of his. All that intel that they don't have now. And and maybe it's just an unrealistic thing to even look back and wish that they would have done. But the pushing all their chips in, for a season that ended up blowing up in their face anyway, cost them dearly with what they could have had and how moving forward if they would have just said, let's wear it this season. If Ron knew all along he wasn't getting fired, if they didn't make the playoffs, or that this staff could come back with a change here or there, he should have just done that. He should have in week two called a meeting together and said, you know what, guys, if this thing with Carson Wentz doesn't go better and doesn't start looking the way I wanted to in three, four, five weeks from now, at that point when they were 1-1 one and one and could have been 0-2, we're going to Sam Howell and we're going to just prioritize 2023. But they never had that come-to-Jesus conversation. And they never do. And they never do here. And, and that's such that, a killer. That's the part that I want to harp on here for a second. I want to Bryce Harper on. Do Not doing it every time is understandable. Sometimes you go, you know what, this is worth it. Let's go all in. I mean, think again of the... Of the the Washington Capitals that won the Stanley Cup. Coming off their bitter disappointment the year before, yet again, in the postseason, I, I was an advocate, based on what Brian McCullen had said, based on the history, I said, you got to blow this thing up. It was a good try. Start again. They didn't took one more crack at it. Of course, they broke through, won the Stanley Cup. Thank goodness they didn't listen to me. My point is, if you never, ever do it, you never prioritize the future over the present, then you get this. Then you get this endless cycle of, of cashing in all your chips to see if you can eke out that eighth victory, get a tiebreaker, and be the seventh seed cannon fodder for the real good teams. 
That's that's what they're majoring in. That's the desire. And I've I just won't play that game anymore. The only way it's okay to be mediocre is if it's a direct pit stop on your way to greatness. See the Eagles comma Philadelphia for what that looks like. They wore it for a year, were mediocre for a year, and now are excellent. Where's that? They don't take the next step because they can never look past the six inches in front of their face. you got to eke out that one more win. Every regime here has always done exactly that. All the faults of the clown shoe that was Bruce Allen, the buffoonery that was Vinny Serrato, all of that stuff. The underlying premise, the underlying fault in every approach that they've ever had, it's always been that phenomenon right there that you just described. They can never go, we understand this year ain't the year. We're not winning a championship this year. Let's build it so that we can, even if it means you lose a little bit. Even if you're, my, my point always with them is you're already losing. You already got it covered. Lose one more time. Instead of going 7-9, go 6-10. and 10. It's actually better. That's the disconnect, though, I think, and that's where people are just not going to see eye to eye is uh, there are a lot of people who will say that being 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one is better than being 5-12. and 12. And to that I say, no, it's not. And that's just where I disagree with those mm-hmm. people. Would you rather be four and thirteen or eight, eight, and one? I'd rather be four and thirteen as we sit right here right now with the top five pick. Every time. If you vote eight, eight, and one, this is what you get. Enjoy it. It's yours. Having fun? You bought it. Grant and Danny on the fan. Got some audio for you next. Tom Brady breaking news on when he's gonna start calling games for Fox, and Sean Payton laying the law down. In his introductory press conference, right off the bat, sending a message to Russell Wilson. We've got that for you in a moment on G&D. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 